On today's show, the LA Clippers winning streak comes to an end at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans. What about that matchup causes the Clippers so many problems? And how did the Clippers play individually, collectively? How much does Ty Lue get questioned for some of the decisions made late in the game? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri, born and raised in LA and going into my 19th season or in my 19th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper and LA sports content and Locked On Clippers free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where I want you to let me know what you thought of the game, where you think we went wrong. Is it just a one-off game or are there bigger takeaways than that? In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the matchup, the play of our point guards, the stars, Ty Lue, this, the decisions he made late in the game. Going to go through all of it before this game on Saturday night against the Dallas Mavericks. So back-to-back, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are set to play again in both back-to-backs so far to start this season. That 15 games in a row that they will be playing after Saturday night is their longest streak ever as Clippers in playing in consecutive games together, postseason or regular season. So Clipper fans, let me get some applause emojis in the comments section. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, 14 consecutive games together, going to be 15, and I'm going to keep knocking on this wood. But in this episode, going to be focusing more on the Pelicans game that the Clippers lost by a score of 116-106. to 106. I was at the game, another sellout, four sellouts out of six so far to start this season for the Clippers. Shout out to everybody who I saw at the game that said they liked the show or listened. That was, those are always the best moments. Um, besides, of course, the Clippers winning. Uh, and I have a video of the game on my YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I interviewed fans after the game, filmed some great stuff, including Paul George cooking and PG just continues to be the Clippers' best player so far this season. He was uber aggressive in Friday night's game. And by the way, that Friday night game was an in season tournament game to the Clippers are officially eliminated in the group stage of the inaugural in-season tournament. I've said my team's been eliminated in the group stage a lot of times in my life, but never that I think it would be for an NBA situation. But Clippers lose it 116 to 106. The New Orleans Pelicans really have had the Clippers number the last couple of years, swept us last season three games to nothing. And then the previous season, we were eliminated by them in the play-in. We had that Jonas Valanciunas game where he turned into Dirk Nowitzki at Staples Center. But we also had the game where we blew them out late in the season with Paul George. But that's like the one win I can remember us getting against them for so long. They caused problems for us because of their size and athleticism and youth. And also when Zion Williamson plays, whether it's Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson, one of them seems to kill us. On Friday night, both of them got the better of us. And I thought that one of the reasons, the main reasons the Clippers lost was that their duo was simply better than our duo. Zion Williamson had 32 points on 13 for 25 shooting to go along with six rebounds and five assists. And Brandon Ingram had 30 points on 12 for 21 shooting. So they both were insanely efficient. 
They combined for 62 points. And Paul George and Kawhi combined for 54 points. So, and the Pels won by 10. So it was kind of a difference there. Kawhi Leonard shot over 16 times again, but he hasn't had a game where he has shot 20 plus shots since we got James Harden. And I kind of want Kawhi to be a little bit more aggressive, especially when he's shooting efficiently. Well, he didn't have a good game from three, only one for seven. And by the way, I thought several of those shots were just bad shots. Just because he catches the ball from a swing doesn't mean he has to put it up right away. I know he can hit contested threes, but we can get better shots. But again, it feels like the coaching staff is kind of encouraging or the analytics team. It just seems I have no proof of this from the outside looking in that they're encouraging him to just shoot a lot of threes. But I think it's better when we take the right ones. And I think some of those that Kawhi was taking were just forced. I thought one or two of them that James Harden took weren't good. But there were some wide open ones that he just missed. There were one or two wide open ones that Kawhi missed. Just scored. I think it was 101 to 107. Terrence Mann got a steal on the inbounds and then fed Paul George for a trailing three, and man, the crowd would have exploded had he hit that one, but it didn't go, and we still made a push, cut it down to four. Norman Powell, who was exceptional in this game, had a bank shot, and then Zion Williamson, when the Clippers had gone small, no Zubats in the game anymore to try to switch everything and have a bunch of shooting out there, Zion drove on James Harden. It looked like he had gotten ripped, or he missed. He gets the rebound. looked like we're about to rip it. He rips it away from James Harden and puts it back up and in and scores. That gave the Pels a six-point lead. We drew up a nice play for Paul George. He missed the three, and that was that. The Pelicans won, and we just really didn't have an answer for Zion. And Ingram, really, but so let's talk about it. I mean, in the beginning of the game, we had Terrence Mann guarding Brandon Ingram and Kawhi guarding Zion, which I expected to be the case. Now, of course, no C.J. McCollum in this game. New Orleans started Dyson Daniels. The thing about Brandon Ingram is he's not necessarily a speed guy. All he needs is just a little bit of space, and he can just rise up over the top. Sometimes he doesn't even need space to rise up over the top because he has such long arms and he's so tall. And Terrence Mann, you know, early in the game, it may have been the first basket of the game for the Pels, he had a good hand up on Brandon Ingram getting over a screen, and it just really made no difference. And Ty Lue, I think, Maybe somewhat prematurely, but he made a switch and said, no, nah, I'm going to have Kawhi guarding Brandon Ingram for more size and length. Terrence, you can battle with Zion. And that wasn't working out very well either. Not to mention that the Clippers' offensive start was really poor and the Pelicans were just hitting everything. So the starts have been a little bit questionable for the Clippers in various games. Houston was one of them. This one was also one of them. They got back in it in the second quarter. But I think James Harden... You know, the pace that he plays at is is a slower pace. It's what the Clippers were used to playing kind of before they got Russell Westbrook. But, you know, that whole thing about let's get some the – whole, the whole reason the Clippers wanted to play at a faster pace than they were in the past was because they felt like, yeah, our half-court offense is good, but we want to generate some easier baskets. We don't want to make Kawhi and Paul work as hard. And you've gotten that part out the way, right? You're not making Kawhi and Paul work as hard, at least offensively, because you have Harden. But the pace is not any faster. We're not necessarily getting any e that many easier baskets. Kawhi and Paul George are getting some more open threes. But it's a healthy balance between you don't want to make them such catch-and-shoot guys and you want to make their life easier, right? 
You want him to still be in rhythm. You want him to still be aggressive. And as far as Paul George, that's that's happening. I mean, he shot 30 times. And you would think I'm mad at that. But besides maybe one or two threes, not even to be honest, I didn't really have many problems with Paul George's threes, although he still shot the exact same as he did against San Antonio when I said he was jacking him up a bit too much. And that was four for 12, so 33%. But at least in this game, the majority of his shots were twos. And you saw so much great stuff from Paul George in isolation. Step backs, snatch backs, decelerating and then changing directions, going into the body of defenders in transition. PG's really looking like, he wants to be aggressive going downhill and transition to this season. And I think you've just gotten better downhill Paul George than some previous seasons with the Clippers, dare I say, or should I say maybe last season? More so last season. The beginning of 2022, he was still pretty good going downhill. Although we made those complaints in his off games then that he wasn't trying to get by guys enough. So I think this season, he's been amazing so far. And then as far as the Pelicans, and you should pay attention to this Clipper Nation, the last couple of games, the best defender on the opposing team was actually guarding Paul George. I always expect them to guard Kawhi first. But because Paul's our leading scorer right now and can get by guys quick, easier, whereas Kawhi, as long as you kind of put a bigger body that's not just like super slow laterally, he's not going to overpower you, and he's not going to be able to really get by. So Herb Jones was guarding Paul George more in this game, and Brandon Ingram and Kawhi were kind of matching up against each other. And so I thought Kawhi did a pretty good job on Ingram throughout the game. Ingram, anytime you saw other guys like Norm, Harden, or in transition, or he was attacking a closeout, his eyes would light up and he would produce. But most of the one-on-one stuff in the half court, the Pelicans were getting good stuff out of was from Zion. And P.J. Tucker even had a moment in that second quarter where he had a really, one of his better stints as a Clipper, just bodying up Zion and being that right kind of archetype to throw at him defensively. Offensively, though, he doesn't give anything. And so, like, the moral of the story, Clipper Nation, is the Pelicans are a rough matchup for the Clips. Even before the trade, I said that Zion Williamson was going to be one of those guys that gave the Clippers problems, even if Batum, Senior, and Rocco were still here. Now you take them out of it, we have even less guys to throw at him. And then late in the game, you know, in the beginning of the fourth, we're throwing Tice at him with Tucker on the bench, and he was abusing that, just wasn't quick enough to really stay with him. And so then we put Zoo in with pj and russ which i thought was out i thought we were done putting russ in with pj and zoo because the spacing is bad but because tice had a turnover in the short roll throwing the ball away and zion was relentlessly attacking the rim and trying to put tice in the pick and roll ty Lue was like let's get zoo back in the game he's having a good game rim protecting and coming up going to be talking more about the individual performances of the clippers if it's a Zubots, james harden russell westbrook I talked about Kawhi and paul but we can get more into it let's talk about that coming up All right, so the Clippers losing this one and breaking their three-game winning streak by a score of 116 to 106. The New Orleans Pelicans just seem to have the Clippers' number right now. They out-rebounded the Clippers 50-39. to They got 12 offensive rebounds to the Clippers, 8. And they shot 49% to the Clippers, 46. They came out scorching, but you knew that the law of averages would just take over eventually. And I got to give the Clippers credit. I thought second quarter... Their defense was better. They were doing a better job scrambling, closing out. The Clippers half-court defense, even though I think that the early numbers of them being one of the best in the league is going to end up being a little fugazi, but it's not been bad so far. And you got to really appreciate Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, the uh, inclusion of Terrence Mann into that. But James Harden in this game may have had his best defensive game as a Clipper. I'll talk about his offense in a sec, which I did not think was good in this game. 
But defensively, he had very active hands. He had this really nice ball denial on Brandon Ingram that led to a steal and an assist on the other end in the third quarter for Kawhi. And he wasn't necessarily getting abused one-on-one. I know Zion had that bucket late and Ingram had a right elbow jumper over him, but he was at least being more alert off the ball. That was leading to interceptions and steals. So he'll take that. And there was even one time where he blocked Najee Marshall and got the rebound off of it. So if he can just play solid defense, then even if he has a struggle offensively, it's more passable. And in this game, it was definitely a struggle offensively. Even though he created some really good looks in the pick and roll, had 10 assists, two beautiful pocket passes to Zoo, one in each half. He also had some passes that he got assists for that were, you know, kind of generous. Where, And that's not a James Harden thing. That's everybody, you know, anyone in today's NBA, that the assists sometimes are a little generous. They've always been historically for home teams, but nowadays, especially with the shot making out there, you have more chances to get those kind of assists. I'll give an example. In the third quarter, Harden threw an entry pass in a Zoo coming off a cross screen, but Zoo had no resistance behind him really and James wasn't really getting pressured that much. So it was an easy bounce pass, but Zeus still had to do all the work one-on-one. Turn baseline, had a beautiful reverse layup. Harden gets the assist, but that was Zoo doing most of the work. That being said, he still was creating some good looks, but there were a lot of reads that weren't great also that he made. The cross-court passes were really high. Terrence Mann went to the sky to catch one, and there was another one in the second half where P.J. Tucker, he just thought P.J. Tucker was, you know, 10 years younger, I guess, and it, it almost went to the third row. And then there were a couple of times where he dribbled against Zion, like isolated for a step back instead of just blowing by him. And that was extremely frustrating. And one of the times he did it, Kawhi was kind of getting hot towards the end of the second quarter and he didn't give him the ball. There was another time earlier in that quarter where we were in transition. Kawhi was running to the baseline and Harden also didn't give him the ball. And it ended up being Paul George bailing us out with a one-handed floater against Ingram after like three moves. So those kind of things I'm watching, moral of the story, despite the fact that I thought Paul George was good, why solid but can be better, our guard play was awful. I thought Harden and Russ just weren't good enough. And I guess I'll talk about Harden first because he got 37 minutes as opposed to Russ who only got 14 minutes. But Harden, eight points, five rebounds, 10 assists, four steals, and a block, as I mentioned, three turnovers, two for eight from the field, one for six from three, three for six from the line, and he was a minus six. Let's talk about it, right? Eight points is just not good enough. There were several times I thought where James was on the drive, and he made a decent kick out, but he probably should have taken the floater. You'd like to see him be a little more aggressive. Then there are times where it's just frustrating, like, He has the ball against, I forget who on a switch. Actually, you know what happened? The ball was swinging because in the second half, they started doubling Kawhi in the post. Brandon Ingram was doing a decent job on Kawhi because size-wise he matches up well. But they started to double Kawhi in the post because at the end of the second, he started getting kind of hot. So when they started doubling, we're swinging the ball. And there was one time where Harden just didn't make the extra pass to Terrence, and I was very disappointed. And he ended up just dribbling, dribbling passing it to Paul George with three on the shot clock, and we missed. And those are the kind of things that are really selfish to me. Like, if you're going to do that, you take the shot. So there was another time later in the quarter where, you know, Dyson Daniels, I got to give him credit. Part of James Harden not having a good shooting night was Dyson Daniels playing such good defense on him. There was one time in the first half where he got called for a push-off because he couldn't create separation. And just really good defense by Daniels. No hand check, no nothing, just sliding his feet. And then – There was one time where Harden kind of tried to do it again, didn't get the call, 
Daniel slapped down and Harden flailed and shot just two times in this game where he tried to shoot a jumper and tried to get the foul. It's just like, those are my pet peeves. The people that say I hate Harden. I don't hate, I'm not rooting against him obviously, but those are the type of plays that used to get me annoyed when he was on another team. But the thing is defensively, the fact that he was still locked in and of course he still is creating some good shots is good. It's good. You, you want that at the bare minimum. I mean, 10 assists, you're not going to complain with that. Right. So those were some good plays, especially in the third quarter. I thought that was probably his best quarter, even though he still had some questionable decisions. Transition defense is a huge problem right now for this Clipper team. Huge. And a lot of the transition miscommunications I'm seeing in these couple of games are from the new guys, Tice, Tucker, Harden. Not saying just those guys, but a lot of times they're involved in the miscommunication. Look, we need to do a better job getting back. We need to communicate who's picking up ball, who's got there. There's sometimes where there's players on the team are just assuming that someone's going to pick somebody up in transition and then they just get scored on. Like there was one time in this game, third quarter, where P.J. Tucker was telling Harden that they were going to switch and Harden just didn't because he was behind Zion. He pointed to him and said, pick my guy up and Harden just let him run past him for a lob. So those kind of things. But here's the thing. It's, that was the only play in transition that I thought was on Harden. There were a couple of other ones. Everybody, I, I faulted for one. There was one time where Kawhi wasn't paying attention to Zion beating him back door. There was another time where Daniel Tice wasn't communicating on the break. And several times, several times, Norman Powell is not following whoever's guarding him after a miss, and they're beating him down the floor. There was one time in the beginning of the second quarter where Norm, who, by the way, we were down by 21 in the first, and Norm was amazing getting us back into it. Several threes, three-point play, getting downhill off of closeouts. He was playing really well, but we cut it down to 10 with that Westbrook-Tice-PG-PJ-Norm uh, lineup, and part of that was because PJ's good defense on Zion. But there were misses that Jordan Hawkins was just getting down the floor and Norm is nowhere to be found. And that's unacceptable. There was also one possession where I forget who Mr. Turned it over in the second half. And Daniel Tice, and I think it was either Paul George or Harden, I think it was Paul George, were the only ones back. Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, and P.J. Tucker. I'm sorry, it was P.J. Tucker, Russell Westbrook. And yeah, I think Norman Powell were not even in frame. Wow, Dyson Daniels got an offensive rebound. So the transition defense, especially against Dallas on Saturday, they've been looking to push more, and they killed us with it in Dallas. That needs to be better. And on a back-to-back, it might be a little sketch. As for Russell Westbrook, so by the way, I don't think Harden played very well. I think he was okay because of the defense and the assists. But overall, not very good decisions, passing up shots, not hitting the open man at times, slow pace. Like, for example, at the end of the first half, we had six seconds left. We're gaining momentum. Ty sets him a screen at half court and he doesn't turn the corner and hit the jets. He just tries to come back around and pulls from half court and doesn't even get the shot off. He didn't actually get the shot off. So those kind of things really frustrate me. But as far as Westbrook, things are not looking very good on that front either. Exactly what I said that was going to happen with Westbrook is happening that I was fearful of. He's only getting 14 minutes. This was, I'm sorry. He only got 14 minutes in this game. That was the fourth least amount of minutes he's ever had in his career. And the other three times were all injury-related. Harden and Russ aren't good on the floor together. We know this. And Ty knows it. So when Harden's in the game, Russ is out. When Russ is in the game, Harden's out. But if you just do that and Harden's the starter, 
then Russ is only getting 17 to 18 minutes a game max. And it doesn't seem like Russell Westbrook can just come in and play D, move the ball around. It seems as though when he comes in off the bench, he's like, I got to play well or else I'm not going to get minutes and then starts trying to just gun up shots. Now, in person, I didn't like those first two one-legged fades. Then I watched the game over on on TV, and I thought they weren't the worst shots. I've seen him hit those, and considering where he was on the floor, it wasn't too bad. But then the threes against the jump shots against Zion Williamson, I'm not just going to call Harden out for it. Russ absolutely gets blamed because you can't be letting Zion get off the hook there. you got to take him to the basket and make him play defense without fouling. And, and Harden at least is, you know, he's handling the ball a lot. He's starting. Westbrook has more energy. He should be getting downhill, and he's a worse shooter than Harden. So he can't be settling for those threes. That's unacceptable. And it's crazy that Harden shot eight times and played 37 minutes, and Westbrook shot eight times and played 14 minutes. Harden is the better scorer. It's just, it feels like Russ is trying so hard to make an impact in his minutes that he's not even really playing calm anymore. He's gone back to every negative thing that anyone said about him. That's what he's doing. And I understand there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, that's just who he is. And you excuse making host doesn't get it. Listen, you guys remember what I was saying before we got Russ. I gave him a chance and I saw that he had calmed down, that he had shown that he could be more of a table setter, that he wanted to just assist Paul George and Kawhi. But there's one thing that's happening and everyone's I'm starting to see. And I, I knew it, but I haven't said it yet on the pod about Westbrook. And the, the real truth that nobody wants to say, and part of the reason why I wanted Russ to start instead of Harden, is because Paul George and Kawhi are helping Russ, or helped Russ, just as much, if not more, than he helped them. And coming up, we're going to be talking about that more. And also, Ty lose decisions in the fourth quarter that were heavily criticized after the game last night. Going to be talking about that coming up. All right, so to close out, let's talk about Ty Lue's decisions to close this game. So I had no problem with the substitutions throughout the first three or so quarters, to be honest. Let's look at the quarter distribution. First quarter, the Pels won 36-23. They were hitting shots. Clippers weren't. Didn't really come out with the right intensity. But also just seeing the matchup was just a problem. Slow pace of the offense. New uh, Clippers in the second quarter outscored the Pels 32-20. to so better defense. Pell started cooling down. Paul George was really aggressive. Norman Powell was really awesome. And then Kawhi started getting going towards the end of the second. Third quarter, the Pels outscored the Clips 29-28. And then in the fourth, 31-23. And in the fourth, Kawhi Leonard, he just took some really bad threes, in my opinion. One pull-up in transition that he airballed. And by the way, P.J. Tucker, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi all airballed threes. Ridiculous. I think PJ Tucker's may have drawn iron, but it was basically an air ball. It was just so bad. I don't know why. And Kawhi, I mean, as I said, he's just shooting some of them off the catch, even though he's not open. It's just not not necessary, in my opinion. And the one time he did score in the fourth, he went at Brandon Ingram and hit him with a series of fakes with around two minutes left. It was beautiful. But that's the main thing about Kawhi. I we can't have him settling for contested threes in the fourth. He's got to get to his mid-range. And it's crazy because I wouldn't even use legs as an excuse in this game because one of the threes he shot late in the game was long. And I remember seeing that and I was like, okay, maybe he does have some legs. And then he still made a move after that, the one I just talked about. So you you want Kawhi to be a little more aggressive. And I'm just wondering, is Harden doing pick and rolls with Zoo 
when because when that happens, when that action happens, Kawhi and Paul are just spot up shooters. So the defense can kind of dictate where they want it to go based on how they play it. And in this game, they were hedging the screens a lot. So you're going to give Zoo in the short roll. And I thought Zoo was really good in this game, contesting the rim much better. He's had like four really solid games in a row on the low. And going up strong, had a monster dunk on a pocket pass from Harden early in the third. So I thought he was really solid. And when he came in for Tice in the beginning of the fourth, we cut the game down at a two-point game. But I think it was actually a four-point game, either a four-point game or a two-point game. And then when we came back from the timeout, Zoo, PJ, and Russ, you started to see that that lack of spacing hurting yet again. And at this point, you know, this is going to be PJ Tucker. That was PJ Tucker's 10th game on Friday night. And so Ty is saying a 10-game sample size. Saturday will be James Harden's 10th game. Now he should probably know what he can do and what he can't. And what we absolutely can't do is have PJ, Zoo, and Russ out there together. Three non-shooters in any era, let alone this one, is not going to be the move. And so they got to maximize the spacing because that's just not ideal. Three non-shooters is just a lot. Two non-shooters is a lot, but three is out of question. So that's got to stop. And it, it it hurt the Clippers a little bit, but you know what? They were down by 10 when Zoo came out of the game, and they lost by 10. And so, by the way, Zoo came out of the game, and the Clippers decided again not to close with them, which I don't know if that was the best decision. They got that switch-everything personnel they wanted in the spacing, but there was really no answer for Zion. And in a game where he's going to the rim excessively, I don't know if taking out your rim protector is the right decision just for shooting purposes. So very questionable. As far as Westbrook, though, I mean, there's still no excuse. At the end of the day, I get it. The rhythm is, is a real thing. He was out for an hour of real time. Hour. But he needs to not press so much in terms of shots. He needs to just move it. Just move the ball. Maybe set some screens for PG. The thing is, and this is why I say Kawhi and Paul helped him as much as he helped them. Because of their ability to hit, hit in the mid-range, if you look at the history of basketball, mid-range killers counteract good, uh, bad spacing at times. Because even if defenders will sag off, if they don't fully commit, they can still get their mid-range off. And a contested mid-range for some of these guys like Kawhi, it can be like a layup. And especially when they're coming off screens for quick hitters or getting to their moves quick or getting into a pick-and-roll quick before the defense can set – that's not what he had with LeBron because LeBron, he's not a guy that's going to make quick moves off the catch. He's gotten more lean, uh, more open to shooting the catch and shoot three, but LeBron, when he catches the ball, he still wants to survey the defense and make a play. Kawhi is more looking to get to work. Paul George, the quickest off the catch of all the three guys I just mentioned. So when you have both of them out there with Russ, it makes Russ's job a lot easier as that trigger man. And you can see how Russ's passing is so much better than Pat Bev and Reggie was. But he's not taking away from them like Harden can at times. So it's about, it's about the balance. Do you like Harden running pick and roll with Zoo, which will give them Kawhi and Paul maybe more catch and shoot open threes? But in my opinion, and this is my whole thing, they were getting more open catch and shoot threes with Russ. They were just coming in a different way where Russ would get downhill and draw a second defender and then he would kick. Or in transition, he would draw and kick. Or if he was in the post. So it's not as simple as Russ just magically became bad at basketball. It's mental. It's all mental. He's pressing too much and he needs to calm down. The thing about it is, look, okay, you can't get a rhythm shooting the ball. That's fine. But at least take the right shots in the minutes that you play. I feel for every Russ fan. I feel for Russ himself. But at the same time, Russ, whether or not the front office was going to let him have any say in Harden coming, for him to be super, according to all the reports, enthusiastic about it because Harden's his friend and not foreseeing that he's basically being replaced is naive on his part. 
It really is. And it's very unfortunate what's happening to him because I just want him to play well. And I'm really not sure he can in this role. Cause the thing is Paul George needs to really carry that second unit with Russ in because Russ was brought in to help Kawhi and Paul. He's not the guy in the half court that you want to lead an offense right now, unless your team is, unless you're really just giving him the keys as a starting point guard to do whatever he wants. But that team in 2023 is not going to be a very good team. Russ is the best player on it. I'm sorry. And I think Russ fans themselves know that. He was in the perfect role as a third option table setter. Pass the ball as a trigger. Like People think I'm saying I want our offense to run through Russ, but the offense wasn't ran through Russ. He was initiating it. It was still through Kawhi and Paul. And I think we were getting more of those posts up with Kawhi, the mid post, the elbow with Russ in the starting lineup because it's almost like less is more. Less Russ, because he's not as good of a scorer or playmaker in the half court as Harden, caused Kawhi and Paul to be more aggressive. Now, and of course, our defense before the trade was a little bit more, like we had more depth in that regard. But then again, it's like, dude, I don't know what Kawhi and Paul really want. Like, what's the balance they want? Because Harden is going to take the ball out of their hands, which is initially what they requested, and he's going to be better at making plays than Russ in the half court. That's just a fact. But we don't really get any real that many easy baskets. We're playing against set defense a lot. And, and when you saw the Clippers' successes, when they were getting stops in the second quarter and they were able to set their defense. So I'm worried about Russ going forward. He didn't speak to the media again on Friday, and it's becoming an issue. It's becoming to the point where Bones Highland is perfect for that backup point guard role. He can space the floor. He, he can improve in pick and roll. He's probably a better pick and roll threat right now than Russ because you have to respect his jump shot by going over the screen. Russ... If Norman Powell and Paul George are not looking to be aggressive, it's not like Daniel Tyson, P.J. Tucker, or Terrence Mann are going to bail him out of shots. So we don't want Russ to be in isolation as much. That's why playing with Kawhi and Paul being quick hitters and being spacing uh, bad spacing killers really helped him. And then he helped them by getting them some easy looks and passing it to them right in their shooting pocket and just finding them when they were open. And one thing I liked about Russ, too, is he was doing things that I hadn't really seen him do before, but maybe that's just because I wasn't watching him on a nightly basis, only all the national TV and playoff games, but where like if Zoo hadn't touched the ball in a while or if Paul hadn't touched the ball in a while, he made sure to get him the ball. He wasn't really shot hunting as much. And I like that Westbrook. I do. And that's what Harden's doing. He's not necessarily shot hunting as much, but he's a better shooter than Westbrook. So you kind of want him to shoot a little more if he's going to dribble so much. If you, know, if you know what I'm saying? So moral of the story, both of them were not good enough. They combined for three for 16 from the field and one for eight from three. Westbrook had three points, four rebounds, two assists. At least he didn't turn the ball over, but one for eight in 14 minutes is not acceptable. Oh, for two from three. And he had a really bad foul on Jose Alvarado that ended up making us one foul away from being over the limit. And then Terrence Mann had a possession where he was guarding Ingram and just trying to slide his feet and he fouled and it was free throws. So very unfortunate. It's just a bad foul from Russ. P.J. Tucker with another donut, 0 for 2 from the field, but he was actually plus 7 and had a really solid game, 3 assists and a steal for him. Daniel Tice had 3 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 blocks. That was a very solid game for Tice, um, but he couldn't guard Zion. 1 for 2 from 3 in this game, 1 for 3 overall, so he hit another 3. Norm had 20 points on 8 for 14 shooting and 3 for 5 from 3. I thought he was really solid except for his transition defense. And then Terrence Mann, he was three for four. He only shot one three, and he finally made it. But they're leaving him open so much. He needs to shoot that shot. He needs to. Let it fly. And I hope that making that shot at the end of the game will give him some more confidence to let it fly on Saturday night. 
because we're running a lot of double drag, a lot of it, which is two screens being set for Harden. One guy pops out, one guy rolls. Terrence is a guy setting that screen to pop out a lot, and the defense is really sagging off on that and just helping on Harden. He needs to let it fly. He needs to because that will really open it up for Harden. Three for four is good, but we'll, we need a little more. Seven points, two rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block. I would also like to see the Clippers go to more Harden and Kawhi uh, action in the sense that Kawhi sets a screen for Harden so we can get whoever's guarding Harden guarding Kawhi. We'll see who's guarding Harden on Saturday. I assume you'll have Grant Williams on Kawhi and then Paul George being guarded by Derek Jones. So that would leave Kyrie to guard Harden which would be amazingly entertaining. So try to put Kawhi in the action and see if Kyrie will switch onto Harden. Anyway, that's it for me in this one. 116 to 106 is the final. Clippers need better, and I, don't, I wouldn't panic thus far. Some bad decisions made by Ty Lue. If I were him, I would have kept Zubats on the floor and definitely not played P.J. Russ and Zoo together. But let's see how it goes on Saturday. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.